You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and remote workers, and the only podcast of its kind that we know of. I want to say thanks so much for just a moment to everyone who helps to bring this podcast to life each week. My amazing, astounding producer, Robert, he is wonderful, responsible for all the sounds of mixing, the editing, all of that. We've got some team members. Catherine and Sarah, who absolutely help with loading up the Sick Biz Buzz blogs to make sure that we get that content out to you, get it all recorded and ready for you. And I also want to say thanks to Pollyanna Brown this week, who gave a donation to our Sick Biz community that we are going to put to good use to help people access more resources. So just a quick thank you to everyone who supports our amazing population. We appreciate you. My guest today is Cindy Rodriguez, who is the podcast host of Start Fierce Business. She started in entrepreneurship with her own web and graphic design company, now is the co-founder and in charge of marketing of a tech startup. She's also scorching hot to bring more inspiration to our world, which is why she started her podcast in the first place. We're going to talk to her today about what she learned from scratch, even understanding what type of microphone to use in her studio, and we'll get her tips and how she feels about the grind that entrepreneurs face every single day. Please welcome to the Sick Biz Buzz studio, Cindy Rodriguez. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Hillary. How are you? I'm great. It's great to be here. Oh, my goodness. It's been uh, a little over a year, I mm-hmm. think. Since yeah. we talked, I was just looking that up. Yeah, it's been a while. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it, I thought it was last year, but it just time goes by so fast. Time does go by so fast. You have a teenage daughter now. I do. She's 15, going to be 16 and driving this year. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's crazy. So... I had to stalk you, of course, right? Because we do the ethical stalking to make sure that um, I know what the heck I'm talking about when I bring you on the show. And I was really struck by something that you said right off the bat, which is that you're embracing the suck and Mm -hmm. getting over the fear of suck. And the people in our audience, I think, are a great receptacle for that message because there's a lot that can feel like is coming against you as a chronically ill or disabled entrepreneur. Why am I going to start? What kind of results am I going to get? That type of thing. You started with nothing, like having no idea what type of microphone you needed. So can you talk about that process? Yeah. Um, First of all, I think one of the best ways to get started is to just do stuff because when you start taking courses and I mean, obviously you should read up on what you're doing, but just read one thing and take action because information overload will just make you stop from doing things. But yeah, um, so when I first started my podcast, I think like the first 10 episodes that I recorded, I had them hooked up to 
to my microphone, but I was actually using my computer microphone accidentally. So, and that was fine. You know, I kind of wanted to go back and delete those. And sometimes I want to go back and delete those old episodes, but (laughs) I just, I like to show my progress. And it was the same when, you know, when I started off doing graphic design and everything, I learned so much from just doing things and failing at it privately. Uh, But now (laughs) I have to do it publicly. It's okay to do it publicly. It's absolutely okay to do it publicly. Like that's what I want people to understand. Like they, they get frozen. They get a little paralyzed. I can't do a Facebook live. I can't. Why? What is the worst thing that's going to happen? I mean, I kind of go back into a mantra of what I use when I'm having an anxiety attack. I say, I'm, I'm not going to die. I'm going to get busy. So like, you're never going to die if you fall on your face. Nobody's going to come and drag you off to jail. There's no Facebook groups that are going to start up for the express purpose of laughing at you. You know, like, like you are in a safe place. And so I love that you just went out there and did that. And you learned on the fly. There's something to that too, the energy of just doing it and saying, whatever happens, happens. Don't you think so? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It feels, I don't know, I think it feels better because you don't really have anything to measure. You're not comparing yourself to other people. You're just like, oh, cool, I did better than last week or better than I thought yes. I was going to do. That's a great barometer too because so many people are caught up in competition. And so if we can switch our focus. There's a meme or something I read. I'm just trying to be better than I was yesterday. And just have that be the focus, have that be the center instead of what are they doing over there? Mm -hmm. Oh, they're better at that than me, or they're making more money or they're doing this or whatever. But how are you doing? Are you improving every single day? Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's a great actionable piece, like an actionable content piece that we can tell people. We like to focus on actionable content so that um, people, instead of just saying, you know, embrace the suck, or instead of just saying, do it, to say, what about if you tried this way? And then they apply it and it works. Mm -hmm. So you have got some things that have changed in your life since the last time we talked. Yeah. Can you bring bring us up to date? Yeah, everything pretty much. So, oh. <laughs> um, so I'm a co-founder in a startup, had a lot of stuff happen last year, and the startup is still around, but I'm just not working on it full time anymore. Um, and that was hard to go through because my life was planned around the startup, even though I didn't start it. Um, so I had to like start over. I I had lost my love for web design and marketing, but soon after I stepped back in the startup, I picked it back up and I didn't realize that everything I learned from startup accelerators was making it easy for me to get back into freelancing. That's wonderful. So the more time that you spend in business, the more that you learn about yourself and the more permission that you give yourself to make these changes, because that's a big drastic change to say, I'm going to walk away 
from what my business originally was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's given me a lot of confidence for one, because I had to research things for years due to my startup. It made me confident that I know a lot about conversion rate optimization and I can take that into designing websites for people and I can charge people upwards of $20,000 a year for website and marketing where last year, if mm-hmm. like the thought of that last year, I couldn't, could have never sent out a quote for that much to someone. Would you be just kind of frozen? Like, I'm not going to do that. Right. Like, you're not going to pay me that for what? (laughs) So, maybe a little bit of imposter syndrome that you had to work through? Definitely imposter syndrome, and also really finding out who I am as a businesswoman and what value I can bring to my clients. And knowing that just gave me a level of confidence that I never had before. Oh, hell yeah. Absolutely. And stepping back from becoming that Jack or Jill of all trades too, Mm -hmm. to saying no and saying, I don't want to go there anymore. My favorite thing this year is like, I sound like a three-year-old and I'm like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) 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 You know, and we get to say that. I think when we're younger, it's kind of like, oh, I didn't know we had that option to just say, I don't want to spend my time there. I don't want to learn that. I would rather have another expert handle that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. There comes a time when you realize you shouldn't be doing everything in your business. You can, but you should be outsourcing some things. Yeah, absolutely. So you switched your focus to this tech startup and that kind of seemed to invigorate you to get back at it. And then you were able to expand more than into your graphic design and web design area. So those those three things play very nicely together, don't they? Yeah, definitely. And my startup wasn't totally, you know, it's not like I, I did something that was totally out of my radar because since I was always a web designer, this was software that does conversion rate optimization for websites. So it was still in the same neighborhood of the stuff that I was doing. So it was still on brand for me. And and that's another thing I've been learning that um, I don't want to do things that are all over the place. I don't want to start totally new things. I want to do things that I love and that's things that have to do with web design and marketing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So on the heels of that then, what is the best worst mistake you ever made? Um, Registering my business as a corporation instead of an LLC. (laughs) Okay, what happened? Um, Well, I did it not knowing all the different restrictions Mm -hmm. that come with having a corporation. I thought it was just like from a paperwork standpoint. Um. That it was gonna suck, and I just just recently did it, like last year. Um, but I didn't know that when you have a corporation versus an LLC, you have to put yourself on payroll. You can't just write yourself a check, and there's just a lot of other things that come with it. Yeah. But because it's an S corporation, um, there are certain tax benefits. So, so kind of a bittersweet thing that happened to work out. You know, 
that is how entrepreneurship is sometimes, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like I need to make this thing happen. So I'm just going to go for it. And I think it's going to work out, but it might blow up in my face, but I'm still, <laughs> still going to keep going for it. Yeah, definitely. And I just read that you read 40 books a year. Are you still reading 40 books a year? Um, yeah, I think last year I might have done a little less. I did at least 35, but yeah, I read a lot. I love reading, but most of what I read is fiction. Oh, really? Okay. And that's interesting because I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs that are like, we got to read, we got to read these nonfictions and these business, you know, leadership books and things of that nature. Are you reading fiction to escape? Yeah, uh, fiction to escape in the evenings. And I listen to nonfiction books on audio most of the time, unless it's like a really actionable marketing book or something like that. That's awesome. So do some of these books put ideas in your head in terms of where you want to go next with your business? Where do you want to go next with your business? Um, yes, they do. Um, even the fiction ones, I find little nuggets in there that I can apply to my business. And where do I want to go next in my business? I want to help freelancers do what I did with confidence without having to fail. You know, I just want to teach them the things that I learned in my startup that have allowed me to be successful as I go back to freelancing. So you're talking about doing some business coaching for entrepreneurs. Yeah, some courses, maybe some group coaching, webinars, seminars. What kind of training do you think is lacking for entrepreneurs right now? I think it's hard to, like, there's not that many places that have everything that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you can find how to make a business plan here, and then this other site can tell you how to make a marketing plan, and this other site tells you how to do a customer avatar, and you kind of got to piece it together yourself, and if you don't know, it's super hard. Um And then there's also the fact that some things like just do it. You don't need a 10 page business plan. Oh, I totally agree with you. I I mean, I have like a, a vague plan, but it's not, (laughs) it's not. And people listening to this are like, Oh my God, these guys don't have business. What is going on? But it is about taking that action. It is about showing up. It is about saying I have value. Right now, I posted this meme in Sick Biz yesterday, and it was about um, an analogy between cats and money. And if you want to attract the cat, which represents money, then you need to stop chasing it and you need to have something with you or possess something that the cat is attracted to to draw it to you. And I think that's a really apt description for getting into business for yourself. And I wasn't focused on the money part of it. I was focused on the value part of it because I think we get really stuck on money. I think we get stuck in our heads. Like I can't do this. I can't ask for money. And that might come down to, are you devaluing what you're putting out there? Mm -hmm. 
Definitely. And I've actually been doing that since I started freelancing again, just not focusing on the money, focusing on the value. I haven't even put my web design services on my website and already I'm on track to making six figures this year without really trying. That's amazing. And definitely a lesson in learning to listen to your gut too, because you listen to your gut and a totally different segment of your business exploded and you were able to kind of fold back in these other pieces. So that's amazing. And sometimes it is about just making that smaller pivot, isn't it? To find that sweet spot and say, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. Everything kind of falls into place then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And leveraging your network, that's really how I've been getting business, leveraging my network, because I've worked all of these years so that everyone that knows me knows that this is what I do. And so when Mm -hmm. I was trying to find clients again, all I was doing was talking to people about, hey, I'm going back to web design. And that's how I've been able to grow my business without using social media or my website or anything. So when you're networking for this business, What is the primary platform that you're using? Um, Just in person. Well, one thing is emailing my network. Like I sent you a a new year email and and that's how I'm on your podcast right now. Yeah. (laughs) So it works. It works. (laughs) Using my network, you know, from people that I've met on my podcast, then um, just I've met a lot of people through my startup and everything. And I've just been reaching out to people like, hey, let's have lunch catching up on what they have going on, telling them what I have going on, not selling anyone on anything. And Mm -hmm. it just works because I'm being authentic. Absolutely. And then people are drawn to you, Mm -hmm. aren't they? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They don't want to, you're not giving them a song and a dance. You don't have to memorize some sales spiel. Um, you get more comfortable talking about price because you know your value. You know because after asking somebody for a contract a hundred times, you know you kind of get over it a little bit, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And and for me, most of the conversation starts off with me talking about things I've been doing for clients, mm-hmm. and then they, it goes to oh well, how much does that person? paying. And then I'm like, oh, this is how much they're paying. So the person has an idea of what I would charge them. And when there's no resistance to that, they might say, send me a proposal. What can you do for me? I listen to everything that's going on in our conversation. I don't just tell them what I think they need and just give them a real personalized uh, proposal. And it's interesting, too, because nowhere in there did I hear you say, like, I rush to tell them all about me and everything that I can do and everything that I've learned. That seems to be like the elevator speech feels like it gets pushed on clients sometimes. So if somebody's like, you know, what do you do? We shorten it up and then turn the focus back around on the client. So when I talk about what can I do, I'm going to make sure that's relevant to what they're asking for. Yeah, absolutely. Because at the end of the day, people don't care too much about what you do. They care about <laughs> what you can do for them. 
That's the greatest thing ever. That should be like a slogan Mm -hmm. somewhere because we know you don't care or what, you know, like, (laughs) like, I'm going to skip this because you don't care, but (laughs) and I'm okay that you don't care Mm -hmm. because it should be about you because you have a problem. You're having pain and we want to help you solve that pain. So it's okay. Mm -hmm. So what is your favorite thing about your career right now? Freedom. I get to work when I want, meet with friends for lunch when I want, hang out with my daughter when I want. And if I work hard, I make a lot of money. And if I don't, I don't. Isn't that interesting when you're in charge of your own earnings? Yeah. So you can't really get pissed at yourself. Like if one month you're like, I'm just really tired. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm going to pull back a little bit. And then later when you're rested, you're like, damn it. You know? <laughs> I just think it's crazy. Yeah, I that. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead. I took all of September off when I stepped away from my startup. I took all of September off. I didn't do any work. I just needed a mental break. I was burned out and everything. I took a mental break, and I did barely made any money that month. But I needed it. Yeah. Well, that was the most important peace at that moment was your health. And so are you because you know that if you go too hard for too long, you can get burned out? Are you doing things differently after September to protect against that happening again? Yeah, definitely. I used to like if a friend would invite me to dinner tonight or if my daughter wanted to go somewhere, I'd be like, hey, let's do it on the weekend because I'm really busy right now. And I Right now, I'm trying to just say yes. Um, Yeah. I'm trying to not work as much. Um, Obviously, you know, get the work done. But after a certain time, just stop working, watch TV, and take me time. And business doesn't feel like a burden anymore because of that. Yeah. when Because you feel like you have more control of it now instead of scrambling or? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm managing my time better. So I'm getting the things that I need to get done, done. And that definitely makes a huge difference. I use the Pomodoro method, uh, Pomodoro technique to get work done, which is I work for 50 minutes without any interruptions, no cell phone, no email, no anything. And then I take 10 minute breaks. And that helps me be more productive. Wow, I've never heard of that method. Oh, it's awesome. But you really have to make sure that you have no interruptions. And you can get like a full day's worth of work done in like four hours. Okay, so this is great because we're always looking for new ideas for people to help them be better organized and to increase their productivity. So we're going to make sure that we include a link to the Pomodoro method um, because it, it might really jive with somebody. They might be like, oh, wow, this really works for me too. Self-discipline is huge as an entrepreneur, isn't it? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because you don't really have somebody to be accountable to aside from your clients. And sometimes mm-hmm. that's not enough. So you do have to have some kind of self-discipline. You do. And so the people... I'm just kind of wondering in terms of personality is, do you think there is a type of personality that is more likely to succeed as an entrepreneur? No, I don't think so because I 
I'm very introverted and a little bit shy. And so like everything that I have is kind of against me to be an entrepreneur. You you would think you have to be outgoing and a real people person. Um, but no, I don't think so. I think if you want it badly enough, you'll get through the things that you think are holding you back. And to seek help too, when that's happening, like when you're first starting out, is it hard? Was it hard for you to ask for help and things that you didn't know what you were doing? Or how did you get the knowledge that you got? Did you have a mentor? At first, I didn't have like a real mentor, but I listened to business podcasts. I joined um, business Facebook groups and I try to surround myself with other entrepreneurs and just read what they were doing. Um, but like going back to it now, I kind of wish I would have been in a little bit smaller, more intimate community and had somebody to speak to, like reached out to a friend that's a business mm-hmm. owner because it's really important to have that support so that you don't feel like you're alone. Yeah, and I think it's important to to understand how you're coming across to a potential client. So we have the sick biz job of the day. And people need to apply for them, though. Like, it's not, you know, it's not, it's not like, oh, it's not out there. It's not osmosis mm-hmm. through the internet, and you're going to get this job. That's not how it works. But um, it's getting into practice of pitching yourself, of saying the same thing over and over and over and over again, reinforcing that value, and figuring out what you need to do to apply for those jobs. Because you know what? I did the same thing you did in those Facebook groups. Anytime I saw a job opening, I was like, I'm on it. I snapped it up. I had some of the worst jobs ever, Cindy. I wrote, I want to say like 30 blog posts for uh, probably 20 bucks a blog. Oh, wow. And I (laughs) was ready to die after that. So it's helpful to have that mentorship, but I want people listening also, like, clue into the Facebook group thing. There are Facebook groups out there where people are putting out job opportunities. And you can connect with some really great people and open up your networks and all of those things. Yeah, definitely. And on LinkedIn, too, um, you should be connecting with your ideal customer, not to sell them anything, but just like I was talking about before, so they know what you do. So let's talk about LinkedIn etiquette for a minute because I admit I, I'm like, um, I put my hand up at the table like, I just want to add this thing. Okay, thank you. And then put my hand down. You know, and, and that's how LinkedIn is perceived as if we're all sitting at a conference table and the people who are getting the attention are the ones putting their hands up consistently in the air and being confident speaking in these meetings. It's hard for people to get outside of themselves and to feel as confident on LinkedIn. Did you encounter that at all? Yeah, I honestly haven't really used it too much for networking, uh, aside mm-hmm. from people that reach out to me. But um Yeah, I mean, you're always going to feel that way. You're always going to feel a little bit intimidated, but you have to have confidence that you know what you're doing and that your ideal customer doesn't. 
mm-hmm. they're not going to laugh at you because you're offering something to them. I mean, if they're mean, maybe they will. And <laughs> that's not your ideal customer. Yeah, that's a sure sign to just thank you very much for making fun of me. Have a great day. Yeah, but you know, I've never come across that. And I don't really think that you're going to come across that. You just have to know that you know more than your customers. And it's, it's a good confidence. It's like this uh, balance between confidence and humility mm-hmm. so that you can always grow from learning what you don't know, but moving forward with confidence to let your client know, I know what you don't know, and I'm here to help you, and I'm here to guide you. Anytime, to you can put together an everything done for you package. I have found that's been very helpful because I'll talk about, okay, we're going to do this um, book editing package or whatever. And they'll say, do I have to do this, 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 and this? And I'll say, oh, no, you have to show up, put your energy in, you need to contribute to the content. And that's it. And they're like, oh, phew, thanks. So do you have packages like that that you're selling as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. That's like my main package. People don't want to do mm-hmm. stuff. They can provide me with pictures and quotes and stuff like that. But I mm-hmm. I schedule it for them and I make it pretty and all that. Because one of the things is if I was waiting for them to make their own blog post or make their own uh, content for the website, they wouldn't do it. Because it's hard and it takes a long time and you're busy running your business and you don't have time for that. Well, and there's different mindsets too. So there's more of a creative mindset where people are like, I can make content out of anything. Look at this, a baked potato. Now I've got a blog post, you know, but, and then there's other people that are like, you know, just a little bit more linear in their thinking. And they're a little bit more, I I guess, I don't want to know, I don't want to say deliberate, but they kind of pull back a little bit. And it might be hard to rationalize how to be creative versus when you're just bursting at the seams with creativity and you can just do it for them and you or you can help guide them down that path too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's two things that you can do. You can guide them through coaching or you can just do it for them. But just to like let a client provide you with some kind of content, you're never going to get it. So you you want to hold their hand. No, you're never going to get it and you're never going to get them to respond on their social media posts either. Like when people <laughs> when people say something to them like that was a great article, they'll just read it and move on. They will take no action. And so, but this is a good insight for entrepreneurs particularly in marketing because you can serve that audience then and you can say I know you're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to offer you this service right now so you don't have to worry about it. And that's going to be part of the sale. That's going to be part of the close that they will really appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. Two things to help you sell your marketing services. One is mentioning their return on an investment. Mm-hmm. And basically, like you pay me this much, and this is these are the results that my current clients are getting. And they love that because they want similar results or better. And the second thing is it saves them time so they can grow their business in other ways. Yes. And a lot of times we forget to mention that, don't we? Mm-hmm. Yes. But if they're but if they're investing in you, it means they can focus on what they are the best at. 
Exactly. And they might be content creators, but Mm -hmm. they should be focusing on that content and you can focus on taking their macro content and making it into micro for social media or blog posts or something like that. I just like the words macro content together. It just. <laughs> I, I got that I from just, Gary Vee. <laughs> did you? <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Way to go. Way to go. A little plug for Gary Vee too. Well, Cindy, thank you so much for being on the show and bringing your rays of inspiration. I've just loved having you on. Thank you. It was so fun to be here. Yeah, you bet. Um, Everybody who's listening to get in touch with Cindy Rodriguez, please visit her at startfiercebusiness.com. That's it for today's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Thanks for joining us as we delve into the depths of what keeps chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs going. We will never stop bringing you the resources that you need to be the best person that you can be to make that living wage, to define or find that support, rather, that's been missing from your life. But before we let you go, we want to make sure to check in on our SickBiz group for the biggest thing that we're pushing right now, and that is the SickBiz job of the day. These are freelance and gig positions offered out to our entrepreneurs in the group And again, it promises you a living wage. They are managed by Galena, who's our secretary. And she vets these jobs from the largest group on Facebook. It's the VA clinic. And it's the largest VA job group on Facebook. And she vets them to make sure that they're jobs that you would actually want and jobs that you would be proud to get. So search us on Facebook. Join us. Find work. Find the support you're missing. Until next time, I'm Hilary Jastrom. Be well.